Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, whether they're eBooks or earrings. Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Carl Pome. He is founder and CEO of Boundless Robotics. We're going to talk to him about the work they're doing in cannabis. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Being a tech guy originally, I'm fascinated by what people are doing in cannabis around technology. And Carl and his team are are developing AI and robotic solutions to growing cannabis. And we're going to talk about some of the products they've developed. They've got a really interesting product. I'll let him describe it and talk about what it does. I don't want to spoil the surprise. But it's really an interesting take. And it's a really interesting segment to the cannabis space. You know, I think a lot of people are focused on large scale you know, 200,000 square foot grows. And this is really the opposite. And I'll let Carl kind of talk about it. But um, exciting development, exciting technology, exciting work he's doing. And with that, Carl, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. I'm super excited and super looking forward to nerd out about this. Yeah, exactly. So before we kind of dig into exactly what you're doing today, give us a little bit of your backstory, you know, background in terms of professionally, what were you doing? How did cannabis come up? Give us a little bit of the journey and then we can talk about the product. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally an engineer by training. And over the past decade, I've been working in the robotics and artificial intelligence industries. 
And these technologies are just incredible, right? But they're also incredibly complex. And so my focus over the last decade has been on really making them easy to use by anyone, to be able to solve everyday practical problems. And in a way, you can think about it as democratizing these incredible technologies, making them accessible to everyone, and that includes making them low cost and easy to use. And with that in mind, back in 2016, when cannabis became legalized in Massachusetts, the first thing that was allowed was the ability to grow your own. And that piqued my interest for several reasons. The first one being that I have never been able to grow or keep a plant alive in my house, any type of plant. I mean, I just kill them. <laughs> not just I, cannabis, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's not like I go out of my way to do it. I mean, people joke about this. They give me these plants, uh, succulents, for something. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, of the, one of my friends gave me a succulent and he's like, you will not be able to kill this. And I, I treated it very well. I put it on, you know, sunlight, everything. Three months later, it was dead. And so I, <laughs> you I just give a black thumb. What's what we <laughs> I, say? <laughs> I do. It's awful. It's awful. And so I just have plastic plants now. And uh, but anyway, so so that was that was the first thing, right? I mean, all right. So so people are growing their own. I happen to have the opposite of a green thumb. This is not as easy as I think it's going to be. But let mm -hmm. me dig into it. And when I went and I started learning how to grow cannabis at home, I found that a lot of the information online was conflicting. There was a lot of tribal knowledge, and people claimed that it was easy. But I, I just found that it was not right. There are so many different steps. You have to pick the medium. You have to pick your light. You have to think about nutrients and chemistry. And, and it just doesn't seem straightforward. I'm sure some people can figure it out. But I think the majority of people are probably like me, where you just don't have the knowledge. You just don't have the time. And it's hard to grow plants at home. And especially mm -hmm. if you want to grow something like cannabis, where the output has to be a high quality and you want a high yield. And essentially, you want to grow like a professional. And so I thought to myself, all right, well, I'm an engineer. I work in robotics. I work in artificial intelligence. I am sure that I can figure out how to create a device that is as easy to use by anyone and where users can only, you know, should only have to change the water once a week and they mm -hmm. should be able to grow like a pro. And that was the genesis for Boundless Robotics. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how did you go from, I've got this idea of creating, you know, a solution for home grow to actually figuring out, okay, what's involved technically, what's involved, you know, from a kind of plant science, agricultural point of view, what was the journey like? So one of the things that I learned early on is that hydroponics is probably the best way to grow plants, just yeah. because that's a way to grow the plant very quickly. But one of the downsides of hydroponics is that you really have to be careful about, you know, the pH of the water, the nutrients yeah. that you add, essentially because the roots are directly in the water and whatever you put in the water, you don't have a buffer like soil, you're yeah. essentially feeding the nutrients directly to the plant. And so that is difficult for people to manage, but it's a perfect process for robotics and for AI. If you can really manage all these things carefully, you can actually be very successful. And so with that in mind and with my robotics experience of, of having sensors that sense the environment and then electronics and, and being able to control pumps and things like that, I bought what is called a Raspberry Pi. I don't know if you're familiar with these, but these are very inexpensive computers. They're like 30 mm -hmm. bucks. It's like an um, Arduino kind of setup. Exactly. It's like an Arduino, <laughs> except you know this one has access to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I picked one of these up and I started wiring up a bunch of sensors and a bunch of pumps. And I started programming and I used mm -hmm. a language called Python, which is very accessible. It's very well documented in the internet. And essentially, you just go to Google and you say, how do I turn an, an output on based on a sensor? 
and you get all sorts of information. And so it was very easy, very accessible for me to, to kind of get going with this. And then obviously with the access that I had to engineers at the robotics and AI companies, I was able to ask some questions around more specifics, right? Like what kind of sensors should I be using? What kind of pumps, et cetera, et cetera. So put everything mm -hmm. together. And then one of the things that I also discovered is that water gets everywhere, right? And you don't want water <laughs> and electronics in the same yeah, exactly. place. <laughs> That's somewhat diametrically opposed here. Yeah. So, so that was tricky. And so how do you make this hydroponic system with pumps and with nutrients and everything? And that took me about two years. And, you know, I started working with buckets that, you know, stainless steel buckets that you could buy at the dollar store for mm -hmm. champagne or, or anything like that. I started with pumps that I could buy off of Amazon. I mean, the wonderful thing about technology is that it's made all of these things accessible for yeah. everyone, right? Yeah. And so put in, you know, I made my little scientific invention there, drove my wife nuts. And my big question was, was this basement or garage? Oh, this was living room. I mean, <laughs> I live in, a, in an apartment in Boston where we just don't have a lot of space. I have two yeah. little kids. And so my stuff was everywhere. Yeah. But the summary is in 2019, I had a system that was completely autonomous. And at this point, I had grown five plants in my house successfully. Mm -hmm. And remember, I kill all the plants, but my <laughs> system, if the system worked for me, it can work for anybody, right? And so we had five plants that grew. I actually, to be frank, I don't know a lot about cannabis. I mean, I, I only mm -hmm. tried cannabis for the first time in 2016 when it became legal. Yeah. So I didn't really have anything to compare it against. But when I shared it with my friends, you know, they raved about it. They were like, this is amazing. This is such a fresh yeah. product. This is going to be great. Like, keep growing plants and keep gifting us the product. And that's yeah, what exactly. I was doing, right? And so <laughs> everyone's so friend all of a sudden. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because I don't use it, right? So I go to parties and I just give my uh -huh. friends a little bit of cannabis and, and I love when, when they like it, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. an output of something that is growing in my house with an invention that we made. Yeah. And so in 2019, we decided that, all right, now we have a, a machine that works. We have to figure out who it works for, right? I mean, who is our target customer? Yeah. And so as a product manager, I went and I did a lot of research and I started reaching out to people who grow. And the majority of people who grow, at least the people that I found, were men. And when I talked to them, they said, why would I buy your machine? I can just go to Home Depot and buy a mm -hmm. bunch of buckets and figure it out on my own, right? Yeah. And that was kind of an insightful thing because I said, all right, well, men are probably not my target demographic. Let me go talk to women. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and when I started talking to women, I started learning a lot about why they consume cannabis and the benefits that they have found in the plant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether they consume it in top, you know, in, in, in gummies or in edibles or, or topically, but really it has been transformative to a lot of women. And a lot of the things that I was learning was I need a lot of cannabis. I consume a lot of it for any reason. Mm -hmm. I just don't have the time or the expertise to grow at home. So I, I haven't even considered it. However, I am very interested in getting access to high quality pesticide free cannabis in high volume so that I can, you know, I, I can understand the effects that it has on me. And I, I'm not dealing with different batches, but I'm also very concerned about my privacy and the cost. Yeah. And so this was, this was, this was very insightful. This was, all right, this is the market, right? I mean, if you grow your own, you're going to grow on average two ounces of high quality pesticide free flour, all within the privacy of your home and at a lower cost that you could get anywhere. 
And so as we started talking to women, they started saying, listen, if this works for me, I'm going to buy it from my parents. And so then we started learning about seniors and how much they benefit from the plant. And it was a lot of the same thing, right? If, if I could get access to this, then I would be doing, you know, I would do my own lotions. I would do my own edibles. This would be huge. And so with that in mind, we started designing a machine that was very attractive, right? Something that you could take a picture of and put on Instagram. And part of the reason we were doing this was a lot of the people that we were talking to were city dwellers. Yeah. And so they don't have basements. And so we designed a machine that would be additive in your space. If you're growing a cannabis plant in your living room, if you wanted to, right, you at least had the option to put a machine like ours in your living room because it looks like it came out of a West Elm catalog, something that is very carefully designed, something that, that complements your environment. And in a way, cannabis is legal now, right? And, and there is still a lot of, but the people yep. who have found the power in the plant want to be more vocal and they want to be more open. And this shouldn't be something that you grow in your basement or your closet or anything like that. You, sh you should, you know, you should be proud about it. And so yep. part of the design was this, try to incentivize people to actually share this with their friends and, and where it's legal and where you can put it in your living room. I mean, take advantage of the sunlight that you're getting, take advantage mm -hmm. of, of the automation that we have, but the machine should be designed in a way that could be, you know, beautiful. And the other thing that we found was that veterans tend to, you know, all these segments that I'm talking about, by the way, are people who are using cannabis as part of their wellness routine. And they could benefit from a lot of cannabis, a lot of the same batch at a lower cost, privacy, everything that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that they do have problems like with arthritis, with joints. And so we also designed the machine so that anybody, an elderly person could, could use it. You know, you don't have to have a lot of dexterity. Yeah. And with really the ultimate goal of, all right, how can we use artificial intelligence and software uh, to lower the cost of this machine so that it's accessible to anyone. And by the way, we're, we're targeting our list price of the whole kit, including the light and everything for $599. And how do we also use the artificial intelligence to make sure that, that no matter what you put and no matter what your conditions are, we can regulate things around the machine, the nutrients, et cetera, so that you always have success. And yeah. that's essentially what we have now. We have 10 machines out in the field in Massachusetts. We've all grown successful plants. We're seeing very consistent, you know, we're consistently getting two ounces of flour. It's on average 90 days. And really what people have to do is just change the water. So we're, we're there. And so now we're using the rest of this year to figure out how to make it at scale so that we can sell, you know, many thousands of these. Uh, we have to figure out all the regulatory yeah. issues around yeah. the different states. Yeah. And yeah, just, just make it so that it's, it's, uh, it's an easy product to get to, right? I mean, the whole thing about this product is that it should be easy and it, we, we should be able to sell you a solution, not another problem. Yeah. So I'm going to go all lean startup on you. So it sounds like you've, you've kind of gone through the problem solution fit phase, right? Like you've, mm -hmm. you've realized the problem is, you know, people want to, you know, be able to grow cannabis, you know, privacy, you've identified kind of the factors of the problem. And then the solution you've developed has successfully solved these problems in the eyes of the customer. It, tell us a little bit about the monetization side of it. So say so your kind of startup price or your list price, five ninety nine, you're producing two ounces. Like give us a little bit of the breakdown of the math of the finances of you know, growing, using your product to grow cannabis at home versus, you know, going into the dispensary and buying cannabis. What is the, what's the trade-off? What's the delta in terms of the finances of uh, actually producing the product? Yeah. So for, so let's say the machine, the whole kit is $600 and mm -hmm. you're getting two ounces of flour. On mm -hmm. average, an ounce of flour in the States is around $300. So essentially, mm -hmm. and that's why we picked that number, right? A user yeah. has to make this decision. Should I spend $600 on cannabis at the dispensary or should I buy this device? 
and get $600 worth of cannabis that on top of all the added value that I said, right? The high, yeah. val- the high quality, yeah. the, the pesticide free, et cetera, et cetera. And then after that, we would sell you a cartridge that includes all the nutrients and everything that you might need for another $59. And so each incremental grow, each incremental two ounces is only going to mm-hmm. cost you $59. Really? So over the course of a year, I could get four cycles roughly out of this. So it's, it's $599 plus three times $59 for the year gets me two, four, six, eight ounces for the year. For yeah, $780. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's about a third. If I can if I do my math in my head quickly enough. <laughs> you get, over the course of the year, you, it's about a third of the cost of going and, and uh, buying it from the dispensary. Correct. On top of all the added soft value um, yeah, that yeah. this product provides. Yeah, but if you just wanted to look at it from a financial point of view, it's you're beating the dispensary by a third. And so that's kind of the monetization phase. And now you're looking at the scaling phase of saying, okay, well, how you know, how do I scale this thing? How do I acquire customers? What does that cost me? Can I make, you know, can I make money on that side? What's, um, as you look at that scaling side, what are some of the factors that are, you're really focused on at this point in figuring out how you bring this to market? And, you know, you mentioned kind of regulatory issues, you know, but I imagine there's kind of marketing costs, manufacturing costs, shipping costs, you know, all the things associated with actually taking a product to market. What, what are the things that you're most looking at? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about a lean startup and COVID and creating a hardware company <laughs> and all this other stuff and, and me living in a... In, and only you know, use your left hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one of the things that we did, so when we started this, I realized COVID was coming and huh. I said, this is not going to prevent us from producing our product. And so I bought several yeah. 3D printers that that lived in my living room. And so, yeah. and essentially I 3D printed these machines over the course of last year. So obviously my uh-huh. wife loves all of this um, oh, sure. we turned my living room into a factory but we managed to get the cost of, of developing a machine for around 650 dollars uh-huh. and it would take me about a week and a half to print the machine uh-huh. so the biggest cost drivers for us are essentially the plastics and some of the electronics that we have in the machine. Yeah. What we're focusing on is now, now that we have the design that we like and everything, we're focusing on injection molding. Injection mm-hmm. molding allows us to make the parts for a lot less money oh, and yeah. allows us to make, you know, thousands of parts per week if we need it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's a big driver. And then on the electronics side, we've been looking at, all right, how can we be more clever about our designs and how can we use readily available sensors to make this more robust, easier to assemble and less expensive? And so, again, the nice thing about working in robotics and working in technologies is that you're privy to information like, right, all these sensors exist in cell phones, for example. Mm-hmm. And because of the volume of cell phones, can we take advantage of those sensors that exist there to put them on our machine and really drive costs down? And that's kind of the mentality that we have. That's what we're doing. And so right now we're in the process of getting the molds done. We're redoing our our boards. And that is really going to drive the cost of the machine down significantly where our margins are going to be good enough if we go direct to consumer, but Mm -hmm. also if we go through resellers, right, where we have to share the margin. So that's the whole idea. And that's where technology and, 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 you know, the nice thing about artificial intelligence is that it does two things for us. One is it allows us to always have success, right, because it's Mm -hmm. essentially like a little professional thing that is is, is ensuring success in the background. But the other thing is it allows us to not use as expensive sensors, right? We can use artificial intelligence to predict how your environment, your water composition, your plant, everything, 
thing is going to react to different inputs, like, for example, the nutrients that we're putting into the solution. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we don't have to spend as much money on the electronics. And so that's kind of our biggest effort right now on that front. The other one that's interesting is legal, right? I mean, every single state has different laws. Um, We are, by the way, a consumer electronics. We're not plant touching, but that doesn't mean anything, essentially. I mean, anytime we talk to a lawyer, because it's <laughs> yeah, cannabis, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's more expensive. And banking yeah. has been another issue, right? Oh, I mean, God. Yeah. we're a consumer we electronics company, but oh, no, no, but but you are ancillary to cannabis. And so yeah. you belong in this little branch and we're going to charge you a lot more money. Yeah. And marketing has actually been amazing. I mean, there are so many rules around what you can and cannot do. But I think the community around the marketing space, I think the community, by the way, in cannabis is amazing. I mean, everybody's yeah. super helpful. We all understand that we're we're in this battle together, right? I mean, yes, we might be competitors, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, we're all the market is big enough for everybody. And so that's one of the things that I found out of this community that that people are very helpful. People are willing to get on a phone call. They're willing to share their advice, what they've learned. And that's been very helpful. Like, for example, how we picked the name for the device. You know, we talked to some people and they said, never, never put cannabis in the yeah, name exactly. of your company. Or your, yeah. You know, and, and that's something that wasn't because as a product guy, I want to sell you something and I want you to know what it does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if I create any confusion that I'm failing at my job, and so I wanted to name the machine around cannabis. But Uh as soon as I started talking to people, they were like, no, no, no. If you do this, you're going to be like, this is going to make things so much more complicated. And so so that was good, right? And that was nice that people shared that insight. And and I think everybody should know this. And and I think, you know, the things that are happening in branding and marketing in the space are very creative. I think this is something that other industries should look at because I think this is going to lead the way into whatever branding and marketing happens for the next decade. Yeah, yeah, no, exciting stuff. So, so let's talk about the tech. Is I think you, you've got kind of two big domains here, right? You've you've got the automation and the robotics, right? So the sensors and how do you sense the environment and you know collect the data about what's going on? And I can imagine this is you know both about the nutrients and the water and pH levels and things like that. But also then there's observing the plant, right? Like it's understanding like what's actually happening with the plant. And there's some, you know, comes kind of kind of optic kind of process here as well. And then we've got AI, which is, you know, kind of a learning machine process. You know, how do I take this data and actually, you know, process it, gain insights, figure out how to take actions, enter the results of those actions and stuff. Give us a sense of how you break down the domains and kind of break down the kind of the buckets of technology and and buckets of kind of uh, science that you're using here. So, I mean, you did a really good job of describing all of the things in the, you know, in our tech architecture. But I think one of the things that's interesting here is the AI component, right? In particular, because how you diagnose issues with a plant is very visual. And so I think the simplest way to put it is if you think about traditional software, that's, you know, a series of, and this is simplifying it, right? But it's Mm -hmm. a series of if then else statements. If I turn the switch on, then turn the light, else keep it off, right? Mm. Very simple. But when you talk about vision systems and you think about, all right, how am I going to describe a plant to a machine? That's Mm -hmm. when it gets very tricky, right? Creating, I mean, you you could, but it would just be very complex. I mean, how do you tell a machine what a plant is? You know, it has, (laughs) it's green, but it might be yellow. It might have five or seven leaflets, but you know, there's also maple leaves. So this is not what cannabis looks like. And so, so that's where it gets really tricky. And that's where advancements in artificial artificial intelligence are incredible. So now, you know, you have systems or you have an architecture where I can take a lot of pictures of cannabis plants 
And then I can take a lot of pictures of other plants and I can just classify, you know, the pictures of cannabis, the pictures of something else. And you just feed it through this network and you train an artificial intelligence to now be able to classify what is cannabis and what is not cannabis. Right. That's a very simple example. But now what we're doing is with a vision system that comes with the, the light in our machine, we can actually understand how well the plant is reacting. If there are any issues, we can actually classify those issues. Right. I mean, if there are any nutrient deficiencies. We can also understand how well the plant is growing, how big it is, how big the buds are. And this is all due to the fact that now we have an architecture where we can feed it all these images of different types of cannabis, different types of issues. And now the computer can actually understand what is happening to the machine and react accordingly, right? And that is obviously assisted by all the other sensors that we have in the machine, such as temperature and humidity sensors. Uh, we have a database that understands what your water composition is that is super critical to the, to the hydroponic. Yeah. You know, obviously it's all water, mm-hmm. but also, you know, if you if you put a, a particular strain, the particular life stage of the plant, I mean, whether it's in vegetative stage or in flowering stage, I mean, these are all variables that are just, it would be very challenging for us to create a software that could adapt to all of these variables all over the world, right? Whereas mm-hmm. with an AI, if we have the right network infrastructure in place, which is what we're building, then it could scale and it sustains itself. And what's really nice about this, Bruce, and this is really where we want to head to is as soon as we have a really robust artificial intelligence that can do all of this in in cannabis, there's something else called transfer learning, where now Mm -hmm. everything that we learned about cannabis, we can actually transfer into, for example, growing tomatoes or arugula or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And that really goes to the core of, of what it is that we're trying to do, which is to enable anyone anywhere to grow any edible plant any time of the year, right? And so- If people can only, you know, imagine if if everybody grew 1% of their food, this would be huge. I mean, we that would have such a positive impact on the world, on supply chains, on cold chains. I mean, so that's, but we need to start with cannabis and we need to start with the consumer because that's how we're going to get the most variation of data. And then we can adapt this to industrial applications, to tomatoes, to arugula. I mean, so it really comes from collecting all this data from the machines that we're, that we have out there. And obviously we're, we're, we're being very private. We're never yeah. going to use any user information. This is just feeding information to make the artificial intelligence more robust. And all of that data is kept separate from any of the user's data so that there is never any conflict of users yeah. and, and any of that leaking out. Well, and that's always the challenge with, uh, you know, kind of AI and learning systems is, you know, on, on one hand, you know, we need to collect the data so we can improve our learning. On the other hand, we need to deal with issues of privacy and identifiable user information and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's something we're struggling with in many, many facets of <laughs> kind of technology in the world right now. But yeah, it's always, you know, trying to find that balance. It's interesting because I think that in, generally what I find is that balance is, is kind of uh, struck when the value that you're delivering the consumer is worth the trade-off of the data that they're providing, right? Like, as a consumer, I'm, I'm more than happy to give you the data if I see that it's worth it to me. If I don't see the value, then I start to question of like, oh, okay, why, why am I you know, taking on an incremental personal risk by having this data out there? Yeah, and as a company, I mean, one of the things that we want to have as a, as a very important thing for our company is privacy, right? We're yeah. selling you privacy when you buy this machine. I, I'm a big nerd. I'm very paranoid about stuff. Uh-huh. I think privacy is something that we need to take back. I think we've been a little bit loosey-goosey with social media and things like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, as a founder of a company, that is something that is important to me. 
And I think it's very important for our customers too, whether they know it or not. And so yeah. we're going to continue to to push for this privacy in any product and any you know application that we develop. Yeah, well, and you're probably starting with the most complex one, you know, cannabis. If I'm growing tomatoes, you know, it's like, ah, okay, someone knows that I'm growing tomatoes, and you know, like whatever, you know, growing cannabis, it's a little different, right? Like I'm, I'm, you know, probably a little bit more sensitive to what information is out there in the world about what I'm, what I'm doing with cannabis. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, it's still, you know, it's still your data, it's still your home, yeah. And I think it's important for all of us to kind of, you know, we we need to bring this power back to us, right? I mean, the other yeah. thing that we're trying to do, like I said, I mean, it's about democratizing technology. Maybe making it easy for anybody to take advantage of these technologies, but also not to lose things like their privacy, right? And so mm-hmm. that is just a, a different conversation altogether. But I think it's important for all of us founding people to be cautious about, you know, people's privacy and and what is the real value that we're getting from, from collecting data in any regard. Yeah. I'm curious where you see the kind of sort of application of this. I mean, you you talked about, you know, other edible products, edible plants that you, you know, want to grow at home as an individual. But, you know, certainly a lot of this insight you could apply to large scale grows. I mean, what do you see or do you have any ambitions or thoughts about how you could take what you're learning here and apply it to, you know, more of a production, agricultural production situation? Absolutely. I mean, I think the best example is imagine we have these machines all over the world, right? And we know what people are growing in Siberia and in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then you have a particular seed that you want to do some testing with, and we can do some A-B testing. Mm -hmm. We can do A-B testing on nutrients at a scale that nobody has been able to do ever. Yeah, yeah. And then we can bring this back to industry and say, hey, listen, if you just adjust these parameters in this way or this other way, for your particular crops, you're going to see a 20% you know, improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is going to be very, very valuable. And so part of, you know, we are collecting this data. We're being very transparent about what it is that we're collecting, how we're using this data. But I think eventually this is going to be very powerful uh, for other industries. And we would love to be part of that, right? And and license some of our technology, not only to cannabis growers, but to growers of all types. And especially because I do think that urban farming is going to be a thing. And when we get to urban farming and we have these vertical farms and everything, the data that we collect is probably going to be very valuable to all of those people so that we can continue growing and optimizing how our plants are grown for consuming. Yeah, yeah. So I have a nice spot in my living room, right next to a nice big window. When can I actually get one of these things? What's your go-to-market timing on this? When would this be available for uh, purchase? So we're doing beta testing this year. We plan on making another 100 to 300 machines. And if you go to our website, which is anaboto.com, A-N-N-A-B-O-T-O.com, you can sign up to be one of the beta testers. And once you become a beta tester, we'll send you the machine. We will gift you the seed and we will make sure that you can grow three plants successfully. And that way, you know, it helps us collect the data. It helps you get value from a a machine that is not... you know, manufactured as well as they should be. Huh. But at the end of the day, you're going to get three plants worth of, of product. And mm-hmm. um, and you're going to be helping us, you know, create this wonderful thing that is going to help so many other people. That's great. I'll, I'll make sure that the link uh, is in the show notes here so people can click through that. If people want to find out more about you, what's ways to get more information about you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'd lo- love to do is pay it forward, right? I've received so much feedback from the community and so much help. If anybody wants to talk to me on LinkedIn, they can find me on uh, just Carl Palme, and I'd be happy to connect and, and talk. You can find us on Instagram at 
hello underscore Anaboto. And also go to our website, anaboto.com, A-N-N-A-B-O-T-O.com. Great. I'll make sure they're all uh, on the webpage and in the show notes so people can click and, and get that information. Carl, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Bruce. This has been a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.